When we pray for help, we trust that God cares. When we pray for patience, we trust that God's timing is perfect. When we pray for understanding, we trust that God is all-knowing. When we pray for forgiveness, we trust that God is merciful. When we pray for a blessing, we trust that God provides. When we pray with thanksgiving, we trust that He is good. When we pray to glorify God, we trust that He is almighty. When we pray, we trust God. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you exchanged glory with your Father in heaven to come down and give us grace and love and give us life through the cross. God, that is why we are here. That is why we worship you, because you loved us first and sent your Son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin that we could not pay, that we could never pay. God, we glorify you and we honor you as God. Faithful God, this morning, we need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job, buns. Hot patooties. Wow, Dina, everything looks fabulous. Well, I'll tell you something. It's such a treat for me to have a home-cooked meal like this. Dinner at my house usually consisted of everybody in the kitchen fighting over containers of Chinese food. Oh, you poor thing. What, there wasn't enough food to go around, Greg? No, there was. We just never really sat down like a family like this. Oh. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. <laughs> I said grace at many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. 
That was interesting, too. <laughs> we are going to talk about prayer and uh, teach you how to pray, not uh, necessarily like our, our friend Greg there, but we want to look at how Jesus taught us how we should pray. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be at this morning uh, in verse 5. We've been started a new series on the spiritual disciplines. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about train yourself to be godly. Discipline yourself for, God, for godly, uh, godly living. So we talked about Michael Phelps, remember? How Michael Phelps trained himself, remember his diet and his exercise? Because he wanted to obtain the prize, right? He wanted to win a few gold medals, and he's won 14 cents, for, uh, 14 cents then. For us, we train ourselves to be godly. It's not easy. It doesn't come natural. But we don't do it so we can earn something. We've done it man, because we already have. Because of what Jesus has done for us, and we're motivated, and we, we have a love for Jesus, so we want to train. We, we want to, uh, to live out these disciplines in our lives. So this is what we want to be challenged with as we go through this, and we want to train ourselves, discipline ourselves for godly living so we can look like Jesus. So last week, uh, my father-in-law kicked us off. Um, much like they did back in, in Jesus' day, they'd bring out the fine wine first, right? So we had a, we had a great message last week, and you're just going to have to bear with uh, the, the rest of the messages as uh, you know, we bring out the leftovers. So I, I get to speak to you today on prayer, and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Here we are, starting verse 5. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what you have done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they, have, uh, they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you uh, for your word. God, we, we thank you for the words of Jesus. And if there's anyone that can teach us how we should pray, it's him. So God, we, we ask this morning that, that prayer would become a part of our life, uh, that, that we would look at the words of Jesus, and God, we'd listen, and we'd act upon it. And as we were challenged with last week, not, not just to know, but to obey. So teach us to obey. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, back at verse 5, it says, and when you pray, and when you pray. Jesus is assuming something here, isn't he? When you pray. He's assuming that we probably actually might do it. So that's my first kind of challenge for you this morning, is that we live a life of prayer. That verse was up there. What did, what did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. That prayer is a, is a constant communication and communion with God. Remember, we looked in the book of uh, Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, and we were talking about the man of Daniel. In chapter 6, it said three times a day, what would he do? He'd open his window towards Jerusalem, and he would pray. Daniel was a man that chose the better kingdom, right? But he was a man whose life was filled with prayer three times a day. That prayer needs to be a part of our life. Prayer needs to be something that we are doing 
and we're involved with. It's the, the definition of prayer is this. It's a, spirit, it's a spiritual communion with God, as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession. Part of having a relationship with Jesus, part of knowing the Almighty God, the living God, the God that created the universe, is living a life of prayer, is talking to him, is having communication and communion with him. Prayer needs to be a part of our life. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in one of the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. What's he telling us? When we pray, it's not like what we saw in that clip there. When we pray, it's not something for everyone else. We don't babble on. We don't continue on. He, he says, don't, do not be like the hypocrites. And what a hypocrite was, the, uh, the, uh, the theater was big back in that day, and a hypocrite was an actor. Okay, so what he's telling us, this is not, this is not you sitting up there and standing up there and acting. He's talking about all these religious people that would stand and they'd pray so people would hear them. People would, they'd pray so people would be impressed with them. Like all things, Jesus is concerned not about the action, but concerned about the heart. Jesus was concerned about, you know, what, what, what is our heart like? And then our actions reflect that. So he is wanting us, what? I don't babble on like these guys. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like these religious leaders that stand up there and they want to be heard. I had a, was given a message at youth group many years ago, and uh, we were talking about, we were going through the, the Torah, and we were talking about uh, the Old Testament a little bit, and we, I had a prayer shawl. And so in there, we were talking about some of the things with the prayer shawl and the Jewish culture. And, and uh, at the end, a guy comes up to me. It was his first time there. He goes, oh, you know, I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. And, you know, I, I recognize a lot what you talked about tonight. And he says, you know, you know, one thing that's cool is, is that people that are very spiritual, real spiritual, these prayer shawls, these tassels will kind of hang to the ground and they'll be really long. So kind of the longer they are, the more spiritual you are. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Don't be like the hypocrites that just want to be seen, want to be seen as spiritual or recognized as spiritual. And it is a matter of the heart. It is something between you and God. But when you pray, go into the room, close the door, and pray to your Father. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they, think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Instead, what's he talking about? He said, this is a thing between you and God. It's a communication, and it's communion with you and the living God. You and the living God. So what he wants is he wants us that this is between you and God. Now, we do corporate prayer, right? We pray together, those type of things. But if that is your prayer life, if your prayer life consists of coming Sunday mornings and praying with people, or Wednesdays, or at your small group, if that is your prayer life, and we're missing out, aren't we? I mean, what did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. Daniel, three times a day, he opened his window towards Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day. If our prayer life is just coming here on Sunday and praying, then we're missing it. When we talk about training ourselves to be godly, when we talk about disciplining ourselves for godly living, Prayer has to be a real part of my life. I need to be, be characterized as a man or a woman who prays, a man or a woman who talks to God, a man or a woman who has communion with the living God. Prayer has to be a part of our lives. You know, we come, we can pray together, and that's awesome. But individually, on a daily basis, and are we talking with God? 
Are we bringing our request before God? Are we praising him for who he is and what he's done? Prayer has to be a part of our life and the spiritual disciplines we're going through. It continues on. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First thing he tells us is, Jesus tells us, who are we praying to, right? Who are we praying to? You can answer if you want. Father, we're praying to our Father. Father is the most common name used for God in the New Testament. Isn't that awesome? That God to us is a dad? It's a cool thought on Father's Day, isn't it? That God is a father to us, a dad to us. And we celebrate Father, and I I get to pick on my dad a lot, but man, isn't it awesome to, to be able to celebrate our dads and what they've done and what they mean in our lives today? And some of us, maybe we don't have that, that, that picture of what a father is, but man, what, what an awesome thing to know that a perfect, holy, and loving God can be our father. That is what God offers us. He is our father. And Jesus tells us, all right, you are coming to the father. If you read through Paul's prayers, you can go into Ephesians and Colossians, and Paul says the same thing. When he, in his prayers, he comes before the father. Uh, read a couple, here's what he says. Uh, Ephesians 1.17 says this, I keep asking that the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, or the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 3.11, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. So who is Paul praying to when he brings these things? He's praying to the Father. We're told the same thing. When we pray, as Jesus says, you are coming to the Father. So when you pray, you are praying to God the Father. We pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. In other words, when I come and I, I am praying, I'm praying to God the Father. All right. Now, if, now obviously, we, we may thank Jesus for what he's done, and we may, we may talk with Jesus, and, and we may ask the Spirit to do a work in our life, but, but Paul prays to the Father. Jesus tells us to the Father. Jesus is always pointing us to God the Father. So when we pray, understand who we're praying to. We're praying to God the Father. And we're able to do it. The reason we can pray to God the Father is because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because of the finished work on the cross, I can go before a holy God, a perfect God, a perfect Father. I can talk to him because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So I pray to the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. We pray by the Spirit. It says this, uh, the Spirit convicts us and gives us wisdom and revelation. In other words, God knows our hearts and interprets our hearts, but the Spirit of God brings our request through the Son to the Father. So we pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We are praying to a God that is perfect, We are praying to a God that is holy. What what is Paul's response when he says, I kneel before the Father? His response was one of humility. To kneel before someone was humility. Hallowed is recognizing who we are coming before, that this isn't just a casual conversation with, you know, my friend over here, that this is a perfect God, the God who created the universe, the God who created me, the God who allowed and created a way for me to know him 
through his son Jesus, a God who gave me his son, a God who gave me a way to know him, a God who gave me a way to know eternal life through his son Jesus. This is what God offers us in the cross. I can come to the Father, hallowed be your name. I am coming before a holy and a perfect God. What an awesome thing, man, that I can come to my Father, that I can come before him because of what Jesus has done. He is holy and he is perfect. Paul recognized that. I mean, look at, look at Isaiah's response when he, in Isaiah 6, he comes and he has this, this vision and he's seated before the throne of God. What is his response? Man, woe is me. Woe is me. We are entering the presence of a holy and perfect God. What an awesome thing that we can do that. What an awesome thing. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus tells us to pray that God's will would be done. Jesus wants God's will to be done in our life. All right? And oftentimes, you know, we want to, if you're like me, and we want to be in charge of our life, we want to control our life. You know, we may not even seemingly or, or knowingly do it. But, I mean, we do our own thing. We do what we want to do without much thought of what God may want in our life. Paul, in his prayers, uh, Colossians 1, 9, and 10 says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. What's Paul's prayer? And that we can know the will of God, that we can begin to live it out. Why? So we can live a life worthy of the calling received. So we can live a life that is trained and disciplined, that reflects that Jesus died for me. We can live a life worthy of that. For this reason, I have not stopped praying. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So there's this wisdom and understanding and understanding and knowing. Remember what we talked about last week when my father-in-law was here and getting into the Word and studying the Word so we can know what we're supposed to do. And not only we can know it, but we can obey it. And Paul is praying that they would. Paul is praying that you would have an understanding of God's will, that you would know it for your life. That's what we want. So many times we do our own thing, we live our own life, and we miss this. Jesus wants us to pray. Pray at God's will for your life. Not your own will, not what you want, but what God would want for your life. It's important. It's important. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love that statement. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, heaven is where everything is the way it's supposed to be, right? It's the way that God intended it to be. It's where things are perfect and good. And Jesus tell, tells us to pray what? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we look forward to someday Jesus returning or going to heaven. But until then, man, we pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other way, there's a, there's a place where things are perfect. There's a place where things are the way they are supposed to be. And I'm to pray that, man, God would begin to do that even now. As I long and I wait for heaven, I pray that, God, I want you to work and do a work now, right now in my life. Right now, your will on earth as it is in heaven. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. This is uh, probably much more real to some people than others. When you think of specifically bread, you think of, of food and, and whatnot. And there's, there are people and Christians throughout the world that understand what it is to be in need, understand what it is to, to be in want of something as simple as bread. Now, for us, we may not fully understand that when we think of it, give us today our daily bread, but we think of it in general that, man, we want to pray for our needs, right? We want to pray that God would provide. And it can be in different things. You know, for some people, like I said, it, it may be bread. It may be that God will put a meal on the table. For us, you know, many of us may be in a different situation, but we pray that God will work. We pray that God will provide. We pray for our car that broke down, needing new tires on the car or a new transmission. You know, we pray for these things. But what we don't want to do is we don't want our prayer life consumed by this. We don't want to just come with this, this big list, God, you know what, my car's not working, I need a new job, I need this, I need that. And all of a sudden, it's just this list of, of things that we're, we're asking God to do in our life. We want to have a heart like, like Paul had. If you look and you read Paul's prayers, yeah, Paul, Paul asked for that thorn to be removed in his flesh, you know. So there were, there were, I'm sure there were times when Paul was asking God for things and needing things, God, to, to, to work. But when you read through Paul's prayers, go in Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. What is he praying for? Well, one, he's praying for other people, to have a heart to pray for other people. But two, he's praying, man, what? That they'd have wisdom, they'd have understanding, there'd be a revelation by the Spirit. He wanted them to grow in the knowledge of God, to follow God's word, to follow the will of God. Paul's prayer for people was not that they would have bread or that they would have little needs met. And he wanted them to grow and begin to look like Jesus. That's how we want to pray. I'm not telling you not to ask for, for God uh, for things that, that are in need. And we want to do that. But man, when we pray, God, I want a heart like yours. I want a heart like Jesus. I, I want that wisdom and understanding. I want a revelation from the Spirit. Not only that, Paul prayed this for other people. He wasn't praying it for himself. I'm sure he did, but he was praying it for other people. And when's the last time I prayed that for someone else? And Tim's one of my closest friends. When's the last time I prayed that for Tim? And God, show Tim your son. Give him a, a spirit of revelation. That's what I want to be about. I want to pray for other people. I want to pray for my kids, that prayer. Instead of just before we go to bed, talking about praying to God in case they die before they wake, you know, these, these weird kind of prayers. I, I want to pray and that God would, would show them and reveal himself to them. I want to pray for my friends. I want to pray for Cornerstone, right? We want to pray for each other. I want to have a heart like Paul to be praying for other people. I think of, oftentimes, I think of um, Jim Wright, right? You know, when we, he was a man that was characterized by prayer, wasn't he? And, and some of you don't know him, but those that have been in the church a long time know that Jim was a man of prayer. And stories I hear about him, how he'd, he'd get up every morning and he'd kneel down in front of his couch, right, in front of his couch, and his carpet was worn, and he would spend hours praying there for others, for other people. And you knew that Jim was praying for it. He would tell you, but you knew he was praying for it. And if you asked him to pray for something, you knew he was going to do it. And that was a man of prayer. That was a man who prayed for other people, to have a heart like Paul, to 
be praying for the needs of other people. Most importantly, man, that they would begin to look like Jesus, that they would train and discipline themselves for godliness and to be praying for others. So give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, we need to ask for forgiveness. You know, sin sets up this barrier between us and God. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you know God, and you can call God Father, you know that when there's been sin in your life, you know that creates a barrier. You know that that sin needs to be confessed. And so we need to go before God and confess sin. And it's not for salvation, but for restoration. That we come before God. God, you know what? I know I've wronged you. I know I've wronged this or, or done that or done this. God, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I need my relationship with you to be restored. And so we go and we ask God for forgiveness. And we want our relationship with him restored. And some of you may be in that, that position today. You know that there is sin in your life that's keeping you, that's hindering you from a right relationship with God. You have a relationship with Jesus, you know Jesus, but you know that there is sin in your life that needs to be taken care of. And I challenge you and encourage you, man, if there is, make it right. Because that, that sin, that is going to hinder you from this training to be godly. It's going to hinder you from, from walking as Jesus intends us to walk, to live that life worthy of the calling we receive. So this is a heart check, man, to check my heart. To ask God, God, what, what is it in my life that I need to get right with you? What, what sin needs to be confessed? What things do I need to do to make my rela relationship with you right? We forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. To, to, the forgiveness of sin goes a long way, not only with God, but the restoration with other relationships. And I, I, I have a, a great memory with my father. And like I said, I pick on him a lot, but but I have a great memory with my father, a time in our life when, man, there was forgiveness of sins, right? And we together forgave each other and have a time of restoration. And I remember that time, what an impact it had on me. Because many years, you know what? There could be a hardness that, that can develop, uh, uh, you know, a separation in a relationship, whether it be with him and I, or someone else, but there needs to be a restoration. There needs to be a forgiveness, that we have a responsibility also to forgive people of sin. We read that story a few weeks ago, oh, a month ago, from that, that couple from India. Remember that, that uh, missionary and his two sons who were burned alive right outside the, the church, and they, they've been preaching the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus with people, and this mob comes along, burns the car. This man and his two young sons were burned alive. You know, less than a week later at the funeral, the wife, you know, the mother of those two small children, she got up and she shared the funeral and forgave those who had just murdered her son and two kids. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I think about that. If someone did that to my, my kids, my spouse, my wife, man, how, how would I react? I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I read a story about a, the Raiders coach yesterday, and his wife was murdered by her boyfriend. He said, I, I can't forgive him. You know, and I will never forgive him. And I mean, can't blame him. I can't blame the guy if someone had done that. But I look at this woman because 
of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in her life, what did she do? And she forgave him. Less than a week later, I was like, man, could I, could I do that? Could, could I live that type of life? Now, we may never encounter something as drastic as that, but, but we can look at our lives and we can know that, you know, is there, has somebody wronged me that I haven't forgiven? Do I have a relationship that's been hindered that needs to be taken care of? And I encourage you. You know, I, I listened to a whole message one time on this verse, and the guy at the end of the message said, all right, you need to come up here. I got 20 cell phones. You need to call that person. And he encouraged them and challenged them. If you have a relationship that's not right, if there's been sin that's not been confessed or, for, or you haven't forgive some, forgiven someone that needs to be forgiven, you need to do that today. So I would encourage you and challenge you. And if there are relationships like that, you need to get them right. You, you need to offer forgiveness. Uh, you need to work through it. They, our job is not how they respond, but, but we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to forgive and attempt to restore relationships. And it affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with our Father when other relationships are not right. And that's why Jesus is telling us, yeah, forgive our debts as you have forgiven our debtors. We have a responsibility as well. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What a, what a thing to pray. God, don't lead me into temptation. God, keep me from evil. Keep me from situation and people that are gonna cause me to sin and to stumble. Keep me from from activities that are going to take me away from you, that are going to cause me to go in a different direction than, than to pursue your kingdom. And that I would pray that, God, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. We keep us from, from sin. John Bunyan said this. He said, prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. Prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. Jesus is telling us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Keep us from the evil one. Because he knows. He knows when there is sin in our life, what do we do? We quit communicating with God. We quit talking to God. We quit pursuing the things of the kingdom. These are the things that God wants for us. To pursue him. To go after his kingdom. And when there is sin in our life, unconfessed sin, and it hinders us from our relationship with God. Prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. See, here's the deal. Prayer, that's our communication. That is the language of God. Prayer is the language of God. And for us to know God, and for us to have a relationship with God, prayer has to be a part of our life. We have to be like Daniel, right? We have to be like Paul, praying without ceasing. We have to be people like Jim Wright was, a man of prayer, a man who talked to God, a man who knew God. We want that, that prayer is the language of God, and we speak that language. That's a great opportunity for us to get to know God, to be people of prayer. So prayer is basically for us to know him better. I mean, the purpose of prayer is simple, kind of two things. One for us to know him better, and two, to see God work, to see God work. It's the language of God, and for us to speak the language of God, man, we need to spend time in prayer. But something awesome happens when we pray. 
God actually answers. God actually works. God does things. There's a saying that says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And don't we want to see God work? Don't we want to see God move in our hearts, in our lives, in the lives of the people around us, in our family, in our friends' lives? And we want to pray that God would do a movement. And we've seen it. You can read through Scripture. You can go in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and you can see stories of when people prayed and God worked. God moved. Here's a few of them. Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. Hezekiah prayed and lived 15 more years. Israel prayed and a whole army was defeated. The disciples prayed and Peter was set free from prison. Abraham prayed and God agreed to save a city. The first church prayed and were given the power to win and baptize 3,000 people. We've seen it. You've heard stories throughout scripture. People like Jim Wright prayed and God worked. I remember Matt Deaver praying and J.J. gave his life to Christ. We want to be people who pray. Why? So we can have this language with God because we want to see God move. We want to see God work. We're praying for the building right now, aren't we? That God will give us something like this. Now, it's important to know that we don't want to pray for a building so we can be comfortable, so we don't have to set up every week, so we, don't have, we have a place to call home. You know, those things aren't bad. Those things are good. But the purpose of the church is to reach people. The purpose and why we exist is to share this message of Jesus with people. And the building can be a tool, an instrument towards that. And so my prayer, yeah, God, give us this if our heart is to reach people. Give us this if our, our vision and what we want to see as a church is that lives are affected for the kingdom of God, that we are leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. That's our mission, right? That's our mission statement as a church, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. So if that is what we're praying for, for the church, God, give it to us. We need it. We want it. We want to grow. We want to see people come to know you. If it's any other reason, then we don't need it. That is what we want to be about. We want to see God move, don't we? The awesome thing is many of us, many of us have seen that, experienced it. We may not even realize it, but we have prayed. If you know Jesus and you have asked God to do a work in you, and you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you, Savior, you've prayed, and God has rescued. You've prayed, and God has saved. You've prayed, and God has redeemed a lost soul. That is what God offers. And we, and I, have experienced that. And hopefully you have as well, that you've experienced the power of prayer in your life through that. We all have an amazing story. We're all on our way to hell, and God saved us through his son, Jesus. Hopefully you've prayed that. I want to share one last passage. It's from Colossians 1. It's Paul's prayer, and he says this. And giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the prayer, right? This is what Paul is praying for them, that we would know his son, that we would know Jesus, that he has qualified us, that we realize it's nothing we've done. It's all Jesus. He has qualified us by what he has done on the cross. He has rescued us. He has brought us from the, from, uh, into the kingdom. He has uh, given us redemption. He has given us the forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus has done for us. In a minute, we're going to have an opportunity to take the bread and the juice 
They're going to be on these tables up here. And if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have prayed to God for salvation through his son, man, we invite you to take a part of this, to, to take the bread and the juice and remember Jesus. It's also a reminder as we went through this that if there is unconfessed sin in your life, man, get right with God. Today is a great day to get right with God. And if you need someone to pray with, I would be happy to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, I would be happy to pray with you. If there is sin in your life that needs to be confessed, man, I'd be more than happy to pray with you. God wants to work. He wants to move in our lives. And these, these are important things. So get right with God. If you're not right with God, I encourage you that today is the day to get right with God. So we look to the cross, and we look to Jesus, and we look to the finished work of the cross Spurgeon said that all religions say do this and do that. Jesus says done. Done. It is finished. The cross took care of it. There's nothing that I have to do. There's nothing that I have to do. I don't have to do this or that. All I need to do is trust and believe in Jesus. And if you've done that, man, we want to remember Jesus. We want to remember him in the bread and the juice. We want to be reminded of him. This morning, let's celebrate and let's worship Jesus. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your son. God, we thank you that you are the glorious father, as Paul prayed. That Jesus reminded that hallowed be your name. You are holy above any other name. God, we, we come to a perfect and a holy father. And the only reason we can do that is because of what Jesus has done. Because of the finished work of the cross, because it is done. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we, we want to be challenged to grow in godliness, to train and discipline, dis, discipline ourselves for godly living. And we know part of that is prayer. And we see here in what Jesus has said, teaching us how to pray. God, that we come before a glorious, and hallowed Father, a perfect Father, what an awesome thing that we can call you dad. What an awesome thing. God, we thank you that you have loved us, your children, so much that you gave us your son. This morning, we want to celebrate him. We want to remember him. And God, we want to share and tell other people about him. So as we continue to worship, we thank you for the bread, his body that was broken, and the juice representing his blood that was shed. God, done so I may know the living God, so I can have a right relationship with you, so I can know that one day I'll be with you. One day we'll be together. But until then, we pray and we ask that you would show us your will, that you do a work here, now. God, that you challenge us to live differently that we train ourselves and discipline ourselves for godliness. God, that we confess sin in our life. God, that we'd be active in praying for other people, that we'd pray for this church and the people of this church, that they would want to know you, would want to know your will, would have an understanding of who you are and what you've done and what you want to do in our lives. God, we think of even the building, and we pray that, God, you would give us this instrument, this tool, to reach people for you. That we'd be all about reaching people for your kingdom. 
But God, we thank you for Jesus. He's the reason we're here this morning. He's the reason we can even come and talk to you. And we worship you and remember him through the blood and his body that was broken and the bread and the juice. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you.